Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first edition of Daily Kill's Debrief in this 2023. This is our weekly show about politics. Welcome. I'm Marcos Melitzis. I'm here with Carrie Aliveld. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Carrie. Hope you had a relaxing vacation. A little bit of a yep. break. Yep, a little we, bit of a break. Clear the head. Us in, Calif- us in California, we're in the middle of a of a of a bomb cyclone. It actually looks like a mini hurricane on the on the on the satellite map. Looks like a hurricane. There's even an eye. We're getting hit with flooding and mudslides and blizzards and hail. We got hail in my backyard for the first time since I moved to California 23 years ago. 100 mile an hour winds in some places. It's um it's uh the thing. So <laughs> there's a very real chance this <laughs> this podcast may end suddenly in the middle of uh, of us talking. Uh, given the precarious uh, weather conditions, but other than that, yeah. I'm I'm excited, Carrie. Uh, before the the you know at the end of last year, before we signed off for the year, we predicted we talked about the possibilities of what was going to go, what was going to happen in the House leadership battle, and uh, we we predicted that Kevin McCarthy was likely to win, but it was going to be interesting. But I don't think any of us thought it would be this interesting, did we? No. <laughs> I mean, you mean you mean. 15 rounds interesting 15 <laughs> rounds of voting interesting i don't know i honestly i honestly didn't think he would get it for reals i i, I mean I, I told joe joan later that on the episode that we talked about this there so was joe mccarter is yeah joe mccarter senior editor oh yeah going to join McCarter, us sorry. in a little bit she covers congress for daily coast she's got yeah she's gonna she's got all the nitty-gritty details on the mccarthy speakership fight right but we had this episode where we talked about this and I actually believe there was a leaf blower that was like planted right outside my front window. Um, but, and we also may today have uh, my dog at some point chime in. But the point is, is that I didn't get a chance to say, I actually thought Steve Scalise might, might end up being the speaker um, because I didn't really think McCarthy was going to be able to do it. So, you know, it turned, it turned away. It turned out that he gave away, you know, I heard we someone say, he we don't gave, even know what, yeah, he well, he, we don't even know what, but he clearly gave away the house to get the gavel. I mean, you know, uh, and and that's I didn't come up with that. I mean, it's clear that he gave away basically everything. He is coming in as the weakest speaker possible. Um, but you know, in 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 you know, uh, in probably over a century. I mean, it's or more. I don't even know. It might be in the history. It might be Guinness Book of World Records weakness. But um, but just to just to you know, zoom out for a second. Before yeah, because we we're going to have Joan on in a little bit to talk about that battle. So yeah, let's 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 go up to eight hundred feet. And Carrie's yeah, been writing go. about this already. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just. <clears throat> I think what this is is really it just previews what a disaster this is going to be for Republicans heading into 2024. I mean, for them to have, um, you know, to take more rounds to elect a speaker than has been necessary in 150 years um, suggests to you what a total, um, you know, shit show, sorry, for the family-friendly folks out there, this is going to be. Um, and, and I just, I always want to remind people they have, you know, they have like a four to five seat majority, right? They, they can't lose more than four people on any given vote um, in order to make the 218 possible to get things through, right? This is the majority that that 
that Nancy Pelosi very ably governed with, right? And got landmark legislation through on many things. And this is, and now we're going to see how the Republicans do it on the other side. And I think it's going to be very instructive for American voters to see how disabled and crippled and decrepit and, and, you know, pathetic this group of people is because they no longer, it's, as a party, they have no longer any overriding principles, none. They just have, they're just, most of them, many of them are just out for themselves. They just want to, you know, send fundraising links out and say the most crazy things so they can get, get a lot of coverage. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But you've already got these different factions freaking out. You know, you got, you know, the Susan B. Anthony's list on one side, the anti-abortion group. Um, pushing for a national abortion ban on one side. But then you've got the Wall Street Journal, you know, the the fiscal conservatives who, who are the defense hawks, I guess I should say, who are freaking out that there's going to be that 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 the fiscal conservatives, the people who are supposedly concerned about the debt and deficit are have, you know, hamstrung McCarthy into um, into uh, cutting back defense spending, right? So you've got all these factions and they are going to continue. I mean, there's more than that. Trust me. There's at least like half a dozen interest groups that are going to be at each other's throats over different things. And and McCarthy, who has no governing mm-hmm. philosophy whatsoever, who gave away everything he possibly could just to hold, get a hold of a cat, gavel that now means nothing, does not have the backbone to rein in any of these people. And so you are going to have this absolute dumpster fire for the next two years. And by the time we get to 2024, you know, I, I think American voters are going to really be thinking, gee, maybe it's not such a good idea to have Republicans in the majority. Um, I, I would not be surprised at all. Um, I actually think we're going to be in very good position to win back the House majority, um, considering how few f- <clears throat> seats we have to flip. And 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 uh, uh, Marcos, how many? I mean, probably Joan can answer this too. But how many? Yeah, it's, it's um, like eighteen. It's like eighteen it's like Republicans 18. in Biden districts, and there's a bunch in California right. and New York that are actually solidly Biden districts. And presidential year turnout, it's going to be a whole different ballgame. Uh, and that's something right. I definitely want to talk to to Joan about because that's going to be part of the equation on how to govern. So I think it's time to bring her on. Our guest today is yeah. Joan McCarter. She is senior writer at Daily Coast. She covers Congress for us. Joan, thank you so much for joining us again. I'm so excited to be here again. And I, you totally <laughs> predicted 15 <laughs> rounds of voting for McCarthy to get their speakership. Congratulations. <laughs> I don't know that I said exactly 15, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, At one point, I was sort of with Carrie thinking, is it going to be Scalise? Scalise says he doesn't want it. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tell us what McCarthy had to do in order to get a hold of that gavel. Because he had, he initially he had like 20 people who were voting against him. And then he got it down to a point where we had like five or six just staunch mm-hmm. holdouts. Mm-hmm. What did he have to do to like get those last final people over the edge? Or do we not even know? Actually, we don't Carrie, know all actually, of it. I oh, would sorry. actually let's go back to that 20 because at the beginning yeah. there, he had like 20. Yeah. How did he whittle that down? Because some of the stuff we know what he gave up and until the very end. So can you walk us through how that process played out over those 15 rounds of voting? I don't know. And I don't know if we'll ever know precisely exactly what he promised to every single 21 of them, every single one of the 20. I mean, it's a combination of threats, bribes, 
leaning on by outside interest groups, leaning on by big donors. Um, it started with this group, probably some of the 20 were thinking, hedging our bets, looking at how much opposition there is to him and how, how staid that opposition is. Maybe we think we don't let it happen right away, see what shakes out, see if somebody else rises to the top and whether moderates might be serious and thinking we could try to find somebody with Democrats. Um, I don't know if that's true, but it's possible that they were just sort of playing it a little safe in case somebody else came to the fore, somebody else that they might want to, you know, prove that they're loyal to. By the time it got down to the core five, it was all threats, all promises, all bribes. And um, if you believe Donald Trump, telephone calls from him. <laughs> <laughs> at least that's what they told Maggie Aberman. They can't, and she they can't dutifully quit reported it. <laughs> they can't they quit, quit Trump. Trump. They can't quit Trump. We do know because of that picture of Marjorie Taylor Greene with her phone holding it out with DT on the line. Um, pretty much shows that yes, Trump was talking to people, but whether you can take credit, I don't know. I don't know. What were what were some of your favorite moments, Joan? Because this had to have been, I was off last week, and it must have just been a barrel of laughs in there watching this go on. Come on, tell us. It alternated between total tedium and a surreal Groundhog's Day kind of experience and, and some fun and some real fun. Um, of course, what everybody says, it was, it was the attack. It was Al Rogers trying to attack Al Rogers. Mike Rogers, the other Mike Rogers. Rogers. Mike yeah. Rogers, I think, and from Alabama, right? It only would have been better if his toupee had come off in the melee. But he lunged at Matt Gates, which is everybody, all of us. We yeah. all uh, yeah, were yeah. Mike we Rogers. All wanted to we were all Mike Gates. Rogers. Go Mike! Go Mike! Go Mike! <laughs> so, everybody wanted to see that fight. <laughs> um, the highlights, actually, the Democrats holding together for every single vote, completely Good unified. Ask. The two Good who ask. missed the first adjournment vote, McCarthy's first big victory, <laughs> he got them to adjourn, so he, so the humiliation stopped for one night. Um, there were two Democrats who missed that one because they were just late getting back into the chamber, and and their their abject apologies for doing so, and then how the Democrats held together. And Hakeem Jeffries' speech at the end, it was very good. If you haven't seen it, particularly the alphabet bit, what Democrats stand for A to Z is really worth seeing and really worth keeping top of mind. Um, was it zoos or zebras? <laughs> zealots and uh, <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Xylophones? It was pretty clever. I mean, what's your X-rays? X-ray. So, um, one of the one of the kind of more interesting moments I found was, and at this point, I think it was just threats, where there was talk about some of the moderate Republicans joining with Democrats to elect a uh, a moderate Republican as speaker, somebody like Don Bacon of Nebraska, presumably. And so that started circulating, and mm -hmm. nobody really knew if it was real, if it was a threat. If it was a media creation, do you get a sense of what happened? I'm, I'm just guessing that maybe that might have gotten some of the 20 to say, like, if you don't come aboard, people, you know, Democrats may have a say in this. I think that it probably was. Um, Bacon may or may not have been serious in trying to say that in order to try to get McCarthy maybe to 
look at him a little bit or to try to have some some sway in this whole debate. Clearly, he did not. Yeah. Um, I don't think that he really seriously talked to any Democrats. Maybe Rokana. Maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not sure who he might have actually been talking with, but I really don't think, looking at how unified they were, that he had anybody truly in mind for that. Any yeah, Democrats willing to come over. Yeah, I think you're right that that not just the Democratic unity was really notable, but how lacking in any drama it was. Mm -hmm. It was just sort of assumed. They didn't have to yep. do any corralling, any like whipping, any. It was just they were just like we're sticking together, they were there. And, and it's and that's exactly how Pelosi. I mean, now in hindsight, it makes her victories, legislative victories, this last term even more incredible because she had the exact same. We're talking the exact same margin. Exact same. And there was never any drama. Stuff went through the House, no problem. Yeah. All the drama was in the Senate. It was it was Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema. There could have been drama in the House, and there was never any drama in the House. And so it, it speaks to just how Democrats are in array to to flip the old the old joke, and how maybe after some time, maybe maybe reporters can start talking about Republicans in disarray because clearly they are a mess. You're seeing a little bit more of that now. I mean, you have to. <laughs> you have to. It was on display for four solid days, all day, every day, on the on the House floor. I um, mean, and they now, were literally in in historic disarray. I mean, not just a little disarray, like historic of historic his, proportions. Sorry. They themselves were saying they were in disarray. They couldn't even. Nobody was pretending. Couldn't even. No, they were, they were talking about the chaos. They were all obviously angry. I think that they might rethink the whole banning of proxy voting after having spent that long, long, long series of votes together, trapped in that chamber, all in the same room, having to vote so together. Explain that, because that's actually kind of a, an interesting twist, because what is proxy voting? Why did it exist? Right. Proxy voting was brought into the House in, it was either March or May of 2020. I think it was early May. COVID. COVID. <laughs> because of COVID, because yeah. of COVID, because of the pandemic, because um, it was clear that Republicans were not going to be mindful of their colleagues. They weren't masking up. They were ignoring the threat. They were down talking the threat. Um, so, you know, part of it was personal safety for all of the members that they not have to be physically in the room in order to vote. Part of it was just because of the whole chaos. They had families to take care of, some of them, you know, kids who weren't in school anymore. Everybody was needing to work remotely, and Congress was no exception. For whatever reason, probably just because Nancy Pelosi did it, Republicans hated it. They took her to court to try to stop it. They took it to the Supreme Court to try to stop it. Of course, the Supreme Court laughed at them. The party of freedom. The party of freedom. So now... Proxy voting has ended, and no, Republicans still are not wearing their masks. And I don't know how many have had COVID. I don't know how many have been vaccinated. We, It's a mystery, so but anyway, they by, all have to be there in by, person. By ending, that means everybody has to be there in person. Everybody has to be, which is a double-edged sword. Definitely yeah, Kevin McCarthy with this tiny of a majority. Because in yeah. any given Congress, people are going to you know, have some kind of scandal that forces them to retire or resign. A, a health condition, a death. There are any number of reasons for people to leave Congress in the middle of a session. And if it's a Republican, that's going to make life that much harder for Kevin McCarthy. Well, and we already have a couple that are in serious jeopardy. I mean, you know, George Santos is one of them. There's a, yep. 
there's a federal investigation now, I think, isn't it federal mm -hmm. into his federal, uh, campaign? Federal, local, county, every, yep. county, state, everybody. and federal. Yeah. Oh, every, and, everyone's and FEC, on and FEC. And, like, and Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and Scott Perry, right, from Pennsylvania, yeah. isn't he under investigation for He's his under involvement investigation in too. the... Which, the, which circles the, back to one of the things that the House is doing today. Well, first things first, what they put in their um, new rules about the Office of Congressional Ethics and essentially gutting it, making it harder for them to hire new staff and also forcing three of the Democratic members on the Board of Governors to have to retire now. They put in term limits, retroactive term limits to make those guys leave. So that's, you know, that's clearly protecting Santos is clearly protecting Perry taking one step out of the ethics investigations uh, but also what they are doing today with this select committee that uh, Jim Jordan is going to be running they, they call it their church committee it's the congressional overreach in interfering in federal investigations committee um, part of it to try to stop these investigations it's not going to work I mean no. You know, all, all of the them. people I mean, who are subpoenaed have to do is take a page from the Republicans and say, take me to court. You want to enforce a subpoena? Yeah, make me. So, so John, with this tiny majority and with uh, no proxy voting and say there's a storm and a bunch of Republicans in the South are stuck and can't make it back and Democrats have a chamber majority. It, yeah, exactly. Is there, could Democrats create trouble in the house if they have oh. a, if they have a majority at the moment yeah um one thing that they could do is on discharge petitions on all of the stuff that the house rules committee that is now going to have at least three freedom caucus members on it so step back again and talk about the house rules committee and how important it is legislatively nothing gets to the floor without first going through that committee so what democrats and if you know they've got the majority on the floor in any given time and maybe a handful of Republicans who want to go with them, what they can do is file discharge petitions to force legislation to come out of committee and onto the floor, bypassing rules. So that's one thing they can that do. Would, that would be also lowering the threshold to uh, for a motion to vacate the chair, basically the no confidence rule um, in the speaker. It's open to any member now, any single member, including Democrats. I mean, if they really want to be obnoxious about it, Every other week, they bring up a motion to vacate the chair. Um, <laughs> Great idea. Yeah, yeah. And, There's a lot and, they can do. A lot and they let's, can do. Let's be clear, though, that that really makes uh, McCarthy beholden to every single member of his very extremist, MAGA, crazy caucus, mm -hmm. right? Um, mm -hmm. That, that at any given time, if he manages to tick any one of them off, not acquiesce to their little, you know, hobby horse or whatever mm -hmm. it is that they want to do, they Joel, can just Joel, threaten, okay, motion like to Hunter vacate. Hunter Biden's penis. You know, they want to yes. right. look at Hunter Biden's <laughs> penis. And McCarthy's like, guys, we, we, we ran on, on inflation. Not Hunter no. Biden's penis. Yeah, he's and, not going to say that. <laughs> he's not going to. So, yeah. so just let's just explain... I just can you just tell give us a sense of what you think besides the fact that he only has four, a four seat majority mm -hmm. what makes McCarthy probably the weakest speaker that we've seen in more than a century if not you know even more than that like what makes him the motion the of freedom, is certainly one yeah it's, it's certainly one the freedom caucus having I, I don't want to get into 
locker room kind of talk here, but <laughs> you can imagine what hold they have on McCarthy. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That's a big one. That's a big one. But at the same time, we're already seeing the regular Republicans who should not have gone along with this, but who did, are really starting to worry about this. They should have been worrying about this two weeks ago. They should have been organizing against this weeks ago. They didn't. But now, you know, they're coming out and saying, damn, what did he give away? What's that secret paper that everybody's talking about that has the list of concessions and who's getting committees and what if they're getting the committee assignment I was supposed to get? What if they're getting the subcommittee gavel I was supposed to get? That's going to be a problem for him. Uh, you know, we haven't seen a here. revolt from these people yet, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. So, so Joan, and you may remember the exact number. It's, it's 18, right? That Republicans that are in Biden districts is... Yep. 18. Uh, a handful of them, more than that majority, are in actually pretty solid Biden districts, and, and mm -hmm. they're going to be in trouble. And so they're, they, they walk in, they see this chamber that, that is completely beholden to Matt Gates's Lauren Boebert faction. Mm -hmm. And if they want to get reelected, they really can't go along with this. I mean, they're one and out, and they have, yeah. to, they have to know this. So um, is there at any point any... Um, any hope that they might rebel in just self-preservation and do like the Don Bacon maneuver, do a motion to vacate the speaker, join with Democrats, Alice McCarthy, put Bacon in and redo those committees and, 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 and trash that original agreement. A lot of them are freshmen. So we don't know really yet who they are. It's possible. I, I'm not going to say that yet because we've seen Republicans become what they have become without a peep. So I don't want to say they will suddenly grow principles, grow yeah, back. That's a safe answer. No, they're, they're, they're Republican for a reason. I mean, they saw remember, Donald Trump take over the party. Right. They still ran as Republicans. Remember, exactly. Remember, so, though, they're, they're in a total vice, those guys. The, and women, yeah. whatever. God, I'm a Midwesterner, so I say those guys as in everybody. But whatever. So they're, they're in a total vice because if they did what Marcos is suggesting, they would be primaried in a heartbeat in the next election. So that, that would just, that's just like, basically, if yeah. you tried to do that, like join with Democrats to do something that was reasonable, um, you, I think they're out on their ear just in the primary. So yeah. they, but, but then, but then they're glued to this, all of this crazy stuff the Republicans are going to do in the house majority. And that's going to be, that's going to put them dead in the water, you know, in, in, in terms of winning a general election. So I just don't see what they do. I don't, th I think there's yeah. really not a needle for them to thread there. Like that the hole is only closed. needle. The only thing would be to switch parties. Yeah. I mean, oh like, yeah, that's right. No, that's right. It's, it's, they are going to be primaried almost certainly. And I don't know if you saw the agreement. Mm -hmm. One of the things that came up last week was an agreement between Kevin McCarthy's PAC. It's not literally Kevin McCarthy's PAC because supposedly members of Congress can't control PACs. Supposedly. He does. It's a super PAC. Made the agreement with the um, Club for Growth super PAC not to interfere in primaries, not to spend in primaries. So you've already seen that backing away. Really, the only the only hope they would have, I would think, would be to switch parties. Yeah, and I don't they think ran as Republicans going. already tying themselves to Trump's party, so it would yeah. be disingenuous if they. Yeah, well, it would be did. really hard. I mean, it's like Kirsten Cinema. It's like the opposite right. of Kirsten Cinema. Right. You know, alienating every Democrat and then deciding, oh, I'll run as an independent and maybe I'll have a chance. Mm -hmm. You know, what I mean, like they would have to pull sort of the opposite yeah. maneuver. 
Um, but, you know, she, we all know how well she's polling among everyone, not just Democrats. She's, you know, <laughs> yeah, she I don't, I, I don't think it's available option for them either. I think they're just screwed. And but they if they it want to themselves, to. so they want to for a couple for a year and you know i'm warm water's warm over here come on over and screw mccarthy uh one last time that would be that would be delicious so joan we still need legislation we can laugh at the at the show that is the house and we can run against them in 2024 and uh and i think it's definitely going to help democratic chances across the board as opposed to having to defend the trifecta so there is a there is a huge political benefit but we have some must pass legislation don't we yeah, uh, the farm bill is going to come up again. That's pretty much must pass. Um, is it why the real things that really <laughs> that's that coastal the farm bill. <laughs> the farm bill mostly because it funds food stamps and nutrition assistance. Ah, okay, all right, all right, all right. I mean, coastal that's that's where approves. right. Um, <laughs> uh, of course, government spending. You know, they took care of it. Thankfully, Democrats did while they through, were in the majority last yeah, month through, through the big omnibus spending bill. So until September. October through 1, September. Okay. the government's funded. Um, sometime probably in July, it kind of depends on what happens with the student loan repayment thing in the courts. We don't know exactly when we're going to reach the debt ceiling, but we are going to reach the debt ceiling June or July, possibly as far away as August or September. That's going to happen. And, and the debt ceiling is the authorization to borrow to a certain level right that's the treasury saying yes we i have the authority i have enough spending limit to be able to pay our debts to service our our debts or we go into default which is kind of a big deal it's a huge deal i mean most people talk about most people talk about a potential debt ceiling default being or a debt default by the u.s as as causing potentially triggering a global meltdown global Mm -hmm. economic meltdown so it's a huge deal just for people who, right. I mean, this is, it's really beyond my, my, um, you know, it's be, it's beyond my, my pay grade to like go into the details on that. I don't really understand all of the stuff. I just know that every time I've heard anyone talk about mm-hmm. it, it's a disaster. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a nihilist freedom caucus Republican, this is like, this gets you really excited. Yes. Destruction. Destruction. It's a Trumpian well, this was in the rules game. package. It is in the it? rules package. It is what, and, in and the ex- rules package. That yeah, they so will explain not that. agree to that unless there is commem- commensurate debt reduction, deficit reduction by the White House, by Senate Democrats. They're approaching this in an extremely tricky, lying way. They are lying about it. They're saying it's like your credit card limit. It is not like your credit card limit. This is not a spending kind of decision. It's not like government funding. This is debt that has already been incurred, stuff that the Congress has already passed, stuff that's there that we have to keep paying. So it's like going to the bank and saying, oh, well, you know, I don't feel like paying my mortgage anymore. So yeah, I know I signed that piece of paper, but but and I, and let and let's be clear too that it's not like Democrats are the ones who have just run up this bill, right? We're 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 in the White House right now and and trying to make sure that we pay it. Democrats always mm-hmm. try to make sure that we're available to pay this. But I just want to be clear that that Republicans during Trump under the Trump tenure right. ran up an eight trillion dollar, uh, nearly right. eight trillion dollar deficit. 
Oh, okay. don't forget the trillion dollar wars that that the, the wars, the Bush. the long series of tax cuts to the wealthy, yeah, yeah, all yeah, of yeah. these yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's certainly bipartisan debt. I have seen Joan, and again, we're we're looking at the moderates, and nobody nobody believes the moderates can ever really deliver. But I I don't know if it was again Don Bacon or one of somebody like him saying that there was talk about discharge petitions mm -hmm. for must pass legislation mm -hmm. like the mm -hmm. debt ceiling increase. Mm -hmm. um, do you put any stock in that or have you seen anything more? Cause I know you cover this a lot more closely mm -hmm. than I, I think, I think we have to explain what a discharge position petition is. Sorry. We, we talked about it a little earlier, a little bit earlier, earlier with the rules yeah. committee in the context of the rules committee. If the rules committee refuses to pull a push a bill out and you know, it happened with Democrats because there were some, bills that were so insane coming from Republicans that they just ignored them. So if really important stuff is in committee, needs to be passed out, the committee can actually try to push it, you know, with those committee members organizing a discharge petition. It has to get a majority of members, so every Democrat and however many Republicans they can scrap together take it directly to the floor. If they have the votes to do it, they can bring that bill directly to the floor. So they can bypass leadership. They can bypass McCarthy and team and the rules committee and do that. It's not the only way to get the debt ceiling done. You know, the White House has a number of measures that they could enact just to say, okay, essentially we're ignoring it. The way they can print the platinum coin, there's any number of, of ways Sort of tricky ways, and, but and the platinum coins this idea that they'll just they're just mint a trillion dollar coin right. and, and throw it in the bank, just make up a trillion yeah. dollars. Put, yeah, put, say, put whatever value limit on it and say, okay, that's that's for servicing the debt. It's there. The treasury will always have that to draw upon. Um, Biden has said he doesn't want to do anything like that, and it would be irresponsible to do that. But I think he's going to come around to the idea that it would be far more irresponsible to let the House Republicans have any say over this at all. So. That one, that one can be dealt with. Um, they've almost guaranteed a government shutdown next fall because all of the restrictions that they've put on how the budget's going to work and what the Senate can and can't do to fund the government, even though the Senate's laughing at them, um, they're still a block. They can still stop it from happening. So there's almost assuredly going to be a government shutdown. Unless, so again, those moderates say... Sorry, we can't do that. We want to keep our jobs. Yeah, no, that's going to be interesting because every Republicans have shut down the government multiple times in mm -hmm. the last 20 years. And every time it has been a political disaster, they mm -hmm. do yeah. not know how to win a shutdown. And there's no way to message out of it. People don't care. No. You know, they can say the debt deficit, whatever. If they can't get into a national park, if their Social Security check is not showing up, if our soldiers aren't getting paid, it does not. It they just... It's deaf ears. So yeah. uh, McConnell knows this. McConnell knows this. I mean, when Ted Cruz shut down the government in, you know, what, 2013 or 2012 mm -hmm. or something like that. Over I can't Obamacare. Yeah. Over Obamacare. It was it just Republican Party uh, just plummeted in terms of in terms of their I think they mm -hmm. had the lowest approval ratings that they've had in like 20 or 30 years when that happened. No, you know, and but you know, it's going to be fascinating, too, is that the Republican primary is going to be in full swing by this fall when this, when these budgets are due. So everyone running for president is going to be egging on the Freedom Caucus into shutting down the government. And so uh, in a way, it's going to 
make that shutdown even more likely to happen, but it's also going to taint them by association. I think it's going to be one big, again, this whole year is going to be one big shit show. I mean, that house mm -hmm. almost guarantees it, but um, they, they are doing things that are just hilariously bad politics. Aside from the policy, they are not good at politics because they're speaking to this bubble and this bubble yep. isn't even the Republican party anymore. It's those 20, right. 10 to 20 oh. Freedom Caucus types. It's this yeah. tiny little... I mean, they're like, turning off fortune. Josh Hawley. Josh Hawley's <laughs> appalled <laughs> at them. <laughs> when you lose him. Wow. <laughs> and I do have to, I have to gloat a little bit about this with, with McConnell getting everything he deserves. Yep. Having totally. this nightmare Republican shit show in the House. He deserves that. He's the one who first said the debt ceiling is a hostage worth taking. So... so are we so we're almost so bad. <laughs> we're almost at the end of our time. But here's my final my final question is do you think McCarthy can finish the year as speaker? A friend of mine said he gives him till the Ides of March, to March 15th. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Not even the end of the year. We're talking. I like that. I, I might give him till Fourth of July. I might give him till the Fourth of July. All right. All right. All right. I love that. <laughs> Joe McCarter is a senior writer at Daily Coast, and she covers Congress and has been covering this this shit show. Uh, so check her out at Daily Coast. Joan, thank you so much for joining us. You are welcome. See you next time. <laughs> bye bye. Yeah. So, okay. Just quick here. I looked up, I looked up what the last time, the lowest point for the Republican party since Gallup was polling it favorability rating since 1992. And it was indeed 28% uh, favorability rating. This is in Gallup, right? Everybody has their own number, but Gallup trends. Right. Just after. All century. They, <laughs> right. They've been polling all century. I mean, you know, everybody's, numbers are a little different, but as long as you're comparing apples to apples. So 28% just after Ted Cruz shut down the government um, over Obamacare it, it, in uh, 2012, uh, 2013 or whatever. So that is indeed the lowest point since 1992 um, that uh, for the Republican Party. So you can imagine what a government shutdown is going to do, because I was literally just looking at um, civics, which hasn't been polling near as long, but civics was has been polling for like six years or so, and um, and civic they they are they are almost Republican Party since the since the midterm election since the red wave debacle that wasn't right. Um, they're already dropping down to the lowest point that they've been in two years and the highest unfavorability ratings that they've had they've had in six years um, since the first year of Trump. So so the Republican Party is already like tanking uh, and we're going to see if they can. They'll probably now that they managed to get McCarthy voted in, they might, you know, stabilize a little bit. But I wouldn't be surprised if that for them to like shut down the government and then have another drop off. Now, you're going to have all those presidential candidates trying to out crazy each other. I suspect Donald Trump everywhere, once again, that's going to drive their favorabilities down. I think DeSantis is not going to land as well as people think he's going to land. Uh, he literally has no presence. He's a, he's, he's, um, and Trump is going to 
savage him and it's just going to be ugly and nobody's going to like anybody. Then you're going to have the shutdown, which is going to be incredibly unpopular. I predict that Mitch McConnell is actually going to be hostile to the idea of a shutdown. He's not, and he's think the older he gets, the cranker he gets, the more like he talks, like he wasn't kind about the, the, you know, the, the candidates he had to work with in the Senate. I think the Democrats are the odds on favor to take back the house, just given the map and what we hold. But we have a terrible, terrible, terrible Senate map in, in the sense that we have no real pickup opportunities. Um, nothing that's not like a second or third tier. Texas and Florida are our best options and they're not good options. And we had to defend Sherrod Brown in Ohio. We had to defend Tammy um, Baldwin in Wisconsin. We had to Wisconsin. defend John Tester in Montana. We had to defend Joe Manchin in West Virginia. Um, it's 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 going to be tough. Um and, and we have to win and we have to win Arizona again in a case where, you know, Kirsten Sinema is probably running as an independent, et cetera. I mean, yes. there, there's there's a lot of so, hurdles. But if you think that party brand deep, you know, deeply enough, the way things seem to be going, it may just completely scramble the whole picture. I mean, we may get a cycle where suddenly Mrs., uh, Missouri is in is in play like we don't. We don't quite know what's happening. And I'm, I'm setting up a marker right here really, really early on. We were, we were pretty spot on in the dynamics that were going to happen in 2022 last year. I'm not ready to say we're going to put more seats in play in the Senate. But given the trajectory that the Republican Party is in today, I think we may have a Senate picture that looks different than than what everybody is assuming, given just how ugly the map is. And I'm saying and even if we remember, walk in and hold everything and we still have a you right. know, two seat majority, that's a huge victory given that map. Or And we can lose one as long as we take the White House, we can still manage to lose one seat and keep a Senate majority. So we do have, you know, it's not a lot of cushion, but there is a cushion. And, uh, you know, I, yeah, I just want to say like, no one was projecting that we were going to gain seats in the Senate heading into this midterm cycle. Like no one was projecting that, you know? So that was like unimaginable two years ago. I also just want to, um, so I, I, there's a lot of things I want to do, but, but I know we're running short on time and this is the last thing I just cannot let go of, um, of McConnell. And, you know, he was cranky about these, this slew of terrible candidates, but he was, he didn't, he couldn't help. He tried, first of all, he endorsed Herschel Walker. He just ceded that ground to, to Trump because he couldn't go toe to toe with him. Mm -hmm. And also he failed mm -hmm. at recruiting people like a good candidate to take on Maggie Hassan in New Hampshire, mm -hmm. a good candidate to take on, uh, to take on uh, Mark Kelly in Arizona. He tried to get Doug Ducey, the Arizona governor there, who's been term limited out. Probably might've won given how close yeah. the election was. Yeah. Exactly. So, so, you know, McConnell is equally as his fault. All of the, the people that he approached to try to recruit as good candidates took one look at his horrific caucus that does nothing and said, I want no part of that. That's ridiculous. Like if I want a future in politics, if I ever want to run for president, I can't do it in the, you know, in this, in, as a Republican Senator, it's ridiculous. So, but so how are they gonna, yeah. those same people, how are they going to look at where the Republican party is today? and what they're doing in a house and go like, oh, you know what? Never mind. I'm going to run this time. I mean, it's even worse now. No, it's worse. It's going to be even more challenging, particularly because they're going to all, anybody decent is going to have to face a Matt Gates, Lauren Boebert, Taylor Green clone in the primary. And nobody wants to deal with that. 
You know, you know, if if there's there's maybe I mean, this is way out, but there's one possible shot right now. I'm looking at morning consult. Right. And it has these who's who's top of the list for winning the GOP uh, presidential primary or uh, uh, nomination. Right. Donald Trump's still at 46 percent, followed by Ron DeSantis, 33 percent. Then you drop all the way down to Mike Pence at 9 percent, Liz Cheney at 3 percent. And then everyone else is below them. Nikki Haley, Ted Cruz, Greg Abbott, Mike Pompeo, Tim Scott, Christy Nome, Glenn Youngkin. Those are at 0 percent, not all of them, but Glenn Youngkin and Christy Nome are at 0 percent. That's so. But I just I, like. There is a possibility. I suppose there's a possibility that some someone gets, you know, they make some rule changes in some of these uh, states so that it's not winner take all. And then you have Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis like, uh, you know, kind of like go, you know, going at each other for the MAGA. Um, and, and then someone is smart enough to come up on the other side. Um, that's, and, that's you know, way out there. <laughs> it's, way out, it's way out there, but like nothing is off the table because once you have this Republican dumpster fire that is just a disaster in the house for like a year and a half, you know, maybe some people are like, I mean, look, all these people love Trump, but they, but they don't want to lose. They don't want to lose. This is the problem. So you like, you're, you're going to have, so, you're going to have some people kind of being like, I don't know. I can't vote for that guy again. I don't want to be a loser in the general election again. And he is a bona fide loser. He just has lost over and over again. And the anti-abortion crew is sort of pissed at Trump because Trump was going after the extremism of the anti-abortion people by not wanting to have exceptions for rape and incest. And uh, so that vote may be up for grabs. And if that vote is up for grabs, that election may be all about who is the most virulently anti-abortion Oh my god! And that would given be crazy. what and given what happened last year, <laughs> last November, that may be the ultimate uh, poison pill for that Republican Party. I mean, there's going to be a lot to happen, and these dynamics are going to be sort of uh, emerging over the uh, over these coming months. So it's going to be really fun covering it. It's it's too bad that that you know real life is at stake here. I mean, real issues. Yeah, are, are I mean, people will suffer and, because of this. And people the, the, will suffer. The, the most vulnerable among us, the, the, the people who are already struggling to pay bills, they will suffer. This is going to cost American taxpayers. There are checks, you know, there are, at some point there's going to be payments that aren't made. Um, if there's any sort of globe, serious global disruption economically, it's always going to hit hardest on the people who, you know, really don't have a cushion for savings. I mean, it is, this is going to, we joke about this, but I guarantee you this will be painful. They are going to, Republicans are going to inflict pain on the American people and, and, and all, and most of that pain is going to go to the people who, who can, can least afford it. Um, absolutely. On the silver lining to all of that, we talked about, Carrie, this was, this was one of your themes. It was about breaking the Republican party. And we went a long way towards doing that, retaining the Senate and, and creating the, because if McCarthy had a 40 seat majority in the, in the House, none of this would be happening. They'd be cruising Absolutely. along ready to. Uh, instead, they are at each other's throat. They're in out, all out civil war and they are giving us the conditions that we need to hopefully deliver another serious blow to that conservative movement next year. So absolutely um, well it's, said. It's going to be a battle. People will be hurt. It's unfortunate, but we we we're going to fight because we have a reason to fight. This is this this matters. 
um, there's a lot at stake, and we're winning. I mean, this is the this is the place where, it's, as a liberal, it's kind of hard to almost internalize. We're actually winning. So, Carrie, welcome to this new year. Welcome everybody who's listening to this new year. It's going to be interesting, to say the least. So, stay tuned. Read Daily Coast. Keep engaged, and uh, and uh, just get ready. Get ready because uh, it's happening. So, thank you all for joining us. Thanks for coming back in this new year. Love you all, and uh, looking forward to being with you all in this battles ahead. In these battles ahead, thank you so much. Have a good, have a good uh, week. See you next week.